I said just this one verse today in 2 Timothy 2, verse number 7. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now, clearly this is connected with the metaphors that we studied last time we were together. The soldier, uh, the athlete, and the farmer. Paul exhorting Timothy uh, that as he holds fast to the form of sound words, that he does so being strong in grace in light of these particular word pictures. And after that, Paul then says to Timothy, consider what I say. And I think the idea is that Timothy must particularly keep these pictures in mind. He's got to remember that he's engaged in warfare. He's got to strain to win lawfully, doing all this while working hard. So you get to verse number 7, as a, as a preacher and as a pastor, it is my obligation to, to go back, if you like, to reread what Paul has just said and to give careful consideration, ensuring that these things indeed govern my own ministry. I think it's also worth pointing out that members of churches should consider what Paul has said. There's an application to a church membership, those here and perhaps those in Orlando who will soon receive their new pastor laboring in these things. You should expect your minister to work hard. That should be the expectation. You, you should expect them to be industrious and you should expect to see fruits of that labor. You should see it particularly when it comes to the word of God. Should leave here in the assumption, well, again, there's been work involved in that message for today. It's also true, please, that you should encourage them in their labors, remembering they're enduring hardness as a good soldier. And there's a need, again, I say to your land of folks, to encourage your minister in their labors. Those words of encouragement that mean so much to those who are laboring in this particular warfare. It's also worth remembering that the gospel minister is to serve under the law of Christ. You must hold your minister to the Lord's standards for ministry, not your own standards. You've got to make sure that when you have an issue with your minister, that your issue is not a personal issue, but rather is an issue in some way they've been less than faithful in the word of the Lord. It's Christ's standard that governs the ministry. And so the one who strives will strive lawfully. And so there are things for us all to consider. We touched on some last time. I've repeated some again today. But I want to go beyond that. When I came across verse number 7, what really struck me was the responsibility that we all have upon hearing the word of God. Consider what I say. Now, of course, when Paul says, consider what I say, he's referring to the words that he's given under inspiration. Consider the inspired word. And thus, I think there is a broad application here to all of us to take the care to consider what we hear in the hearing of the word of God. If you like, we've got to engage in our responsibility to properly use the gift. I'm going to restrict myself particularly to what happens following the hearing of the Word of God preached from this pulpit. Because that's where most of you are here in a given Lord's Day. 
The application could also go to God, the reading of God's Word. But again, I'm just going to, I'm going to narrow my focus particularly to what happens through the preaching of the Word of God. You see, there is a general recognition in the Scriptures that we are responsible to use the good gifts that God gives us. Unused gifts are a waste. You think if this season people give gifts, one of the things often in the case is a spike in eBay sales in January from all of those unused, unwanted gifts. It may be that some of you treat the preach of God's Word in that very fashion. A gift that you take and never use. And so there is a responsibility. You think of the parables. Don't leave the talents unused. I know what's a particular parable, but there is this idea that we are responsible to use what God has given us. Responsible in the right use of his gifts. We are also told, you think of the Caesar coin, that we are to render to God the things that are God's. Again, this sense of responsibility to be who we ought to be and to use the things that God has given to us. Or even explicitly language of Luke chapter 12, verse 48, where it says, Unto him much is given of him shall much be required. This is this general tenor in the Word of God of our responsibility to properly use the gifts that God gives us. Very general. But Paul's words to Timothy here come with inspiration. And so he says to Timothy, consider what I say. And thus I think it does speak to us about how we engage in the Word of God that we receive. And if I've, as I've titled the message, what happens after the Amen? The sermon's finished. The Amen is said. What happens next? Well, let's begin this consideration by thinking about the precious subject under consideration. What is the precious subject under consideration? Well, I've hinted already that the words of Paul mentioned here, consider what I say, are apostolic words. I'm not going back over that ground. We covered it in recent times, the form of sound words. These are words that are apostolic. They have the authority of inspired Scripture. I refer you back to the previous message where we saw that the apostolic writing was viewed with equal authority to the Old Testament Scriptures. So Paul's writings here, they are inspired Scripture. And thus, it is true for Timothy that as he considers what Paul has said, he's considering the inspired Word of God. And therefore, there is, again, this general application that we should carefully consider what we hear Preach from the Old or the New Testament, the Scriptures of truth. And so think about this fact, the Scriptures, the Bible, is indeed a gift from God. If I was to ask the boys and girls here, what is the most precious gift that God has given? I suspect our children are so well taught in Sabbath school, I suspect that many of our children would say the most precious gift that God has given is the Lord Jesus. He is the unspeakable gift. He is that indescribable gift. God so loved the world that he gifted his son. 
The sense in which Christ coming into the world is indeed a very precious gift, and we ought to give thanks to God for that gift. Others, again, those of you uh, the theologically minded, would also mention perhaps the gift of the Spirit. The Bible speaks of that, the Father and the Son giving the Spirit into the world. And we, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. But when you think about the gift of the Son and the gift of the Spirit, these gifts are intimately related to the Scriptures. Christ is revealed to us in the Word. The Spirit comes to enable us to understand the Word. And so the Bible itself is a gift that comes, if you like, along with the Son and the Spirit. All of it coming together as a redemptive gift from God. Now, now what makes a gift a gift? Believe it or not, I actually did a Wikipedia search on what is a gift. Well, that was okay, but let me give you some idea of what a gift is. What makes a gift a gift? How do you know you've got a gift? Well, a gift, properly understood, is something that is given freely. In other words, you're not compelled to give it. Now, kids, you, you may get to the point where your mother may give you, there's $20, go and buy your father a present. That's a sense of compulsion. You're compelled to give it lessens the gift somewhat in its, if you like, its pure essence. A gift is something that is given without compulsion, freely given. And, of course, it is something that is not earned or paid for by the recipient. If it's worked for, it's wages, not a gift. Boys and girls, you don't earn your gifts. Gifts are given, I trust, freely with the Spirit, but they're not to be repaid. It's a gift. The Bible, with such a definition, qualifies as a gift. God, in a sense, compels himself to give. There's no external compulsion for God to give the gift of his word. This book is a mark of God's grace. That we are not left in darkness and in ignorance, but we have light revealing our way, showing us these various matters that it shows us. God acts freely in giving us His words. He gives generously. And of course, it is not earned. It is not paid for. We don't in any way deserve this revelation. In our sin, we deserve hell. But what do we get? We get a Bible. We get a Bible pointing us to Christ, pointing us to the way of eternal peace with God. You see, turn across to one cross-reference, just to confirm this idea. We could go back to particularly the book of Psalms, and you'll see various references to the law of God with the general tenor of a gift. But James chapter 1, James, James chapter 1. And here, again, I'm just trying to make the point that when I say the Scriptures are a gift, I'm particularly speaking about the preaching of the Word of God as a gift as well. So going beyond that, James chapter 1, verse 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. There is the recognition that when it comes to the Word of God, it is something that is received as a gift, and a gift that comes from God. 
Again, remember the text there, every good and perfect, or every, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Verse number 17, wherefore you receive with meekness the engrafted word as a gift that comes from the Lord. And so the scriptures, they are a gift from the Lord. And the preaching of that same word is also a gift that comes from God in his common grace. And for those who are redeemed, as part of a saving grace. Because secondly, while we think of Scripture as a gift from God, we must also say that Scriptures are given in the context of the grace of God. You see, the gift that we have is a gift in the wider context of God's grace. You see, you've got to think about what the Bible's for. Why has God given us His Word? Well, it is, it is in the context of His grace. You see, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're in 2 Timothy. Again, we'll come to this in future studies, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and following, shows us the purpose of the Scriptures. What's the Bible for? Well, it is to reveal Christ to us. Verse number 15, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Faith believes certain things. Faith unto salvation is a faith is in Christ, and therefore the Holy Scriptures, here referring to the Old Testament, are the Scriptures that reveal Christ. And of course, the same is true of the New Testament Scriptures. They reveal Christ. And as such, they reveal Christ in the context of God's grace in Christ, grace towards sinners. And so the Bible's purpose, yes, reveals Christ, but reveals Christ to people who need Christ. The Bible shows our need of the Savior, shows our sin. We we think of the law of God. I I thought about that there in our prayer today, the the kindness of God in granting us the Ten Commandments and showing us the law of God in His Word. The law of the schoolmaster leading us to Christ Jesus. You wouldn't have known your sin but by the law. You wouldn't have seen the need of Christ, but by the Scriptures. And so the Bible reveals Christ to us, reveals our need of Christ, and also reveals how to live for Christ. Verse number 16 of 2 Timothy 3, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Uh, we'll see that the man of God reference there is more than likely a reference to the minister of the word. But the minister of the word is equipped to teach the people of God everything they need to live and to think properly in this world. And so the Bible reveals to us the way of truth, the way of blessedness, the way of happiness, the way of living to the glory of God. So this book is a gift that comes from God in the wider context of the grace of God. The precious subject to consider is the scriptures that reveal to us Christ and the grace of God in Christ Jesus. That's why I say we have a responsibility here. If you are clear the Bible is a gift from God, then you are immediately responsible for how you use that gift. And the language of responsibility in the Bible is also the language of accountability. That's why this is very solemn. 
If we are responsible to properly use the gift, therefore we are also held accountable for how we've used the gift. You think of the parable of the talents. And the Lord comes back, what have you done with my talents? Well, for those of you outside of Christ, there's a fearful thought. The Lord will say, what have you done with the Scriptures? What have you done with my gift, the preaching of the Word of God? Have you wasted it? Despised it? Or has it been something that's valuable to you? Precious indeed, a precious subject to consider? Well, secondly, please think, as we go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please think about some practical steps in properly considering. Verse 7, consider. Consider what I say. Well, the command is to consider. So what does that command imply? What does that command mean? How should that govern our actions? Well, the word that is used here, it has, uh, again, in its derivation, it has connections to the word for mind. This idea of considering has in particular focus the idea of a mental understanding of the word. It's translated with words like understand or perceive or think. It's got a mental aspect to it. Consider, consider what I say. We might use the term call it to mind or think it over. Those type of terms that we would use in this regard. You see, in the Bible, it is clear that understanding is essential. It's important to properly understand what is said and to think about it clearly. You think of Nehemiah chapter 8. You know that great, the great Nehemiah chapter 8 chapter dealing with the preaching of Ezra? And how his assistants, what do they do? They read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Understanding is important. Knowing what is said and being able to properly understand what is said is so very, very vital. You turn back just to Matthew's gospel, please. Turn back to Matthew chapter 13. Because here we have an example of the Lord himself emphasizing the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 8, understanding is necessary. And in Matthew chapter 13, we have the series of parables preached by Christ. And in the context of these parables, the preaching of the Savior, verse 51 of Matthew 13, the Lord says this, Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? He asked the question as to their, not just their hearing, but their grasp, their understanding of what has been said. And they say, yeah, to him, yea, Lord. The Lord emphasizing the importance of understanding. And you go across to Matthew 16, and you'll see again that as the disciples are confused, again, regarding certain things, the Lord highlights, verse number 9, do ye not yet understand? So here, of course, it's dealing with the issue of the, of the miracles of the 5,000, but they don't understand regarding the Lord's teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees and the errors of the false teaching. They don't understand. Verse 11, again, it says, How is it that ye do not understand? And so understanding is important. And so I think when you come to 2 Timothy, we have to be very conscious about our responsibility with respect to the word of the Lord. One of these 
trendy terms used in general Christian circles and outside it. I'm going to use it right now. I'm going to suggest to you that when it comes to the preaching of God's word and the hearing of God's word, you must be intentional. You must be intentional hearers, purposeful hearers. You must come under the word of God with a determination in your soul to properly use it. The word coming as a gift, and what do we do with it? Well, you'll see in your outline, I've given you four of these practical steps when it comes to understanding. First of all, remember the enemy. Remember the enemy. Because the enemy is active when it comes to hindering the proper understanding of the word of God. The devil and his forces are active in this world. The Lord doesn't give any qualification when he explains the parable of the sower, and he, he explains those who are wayside hearers as those that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Intentional determination not to allow the devil to snatch away the good seed of the word of God. You see, the devil is the enemy of the sinner that they would not hear and believe, but the devil also would seek to hinder the saint from understanding the word of God. The devil has no problem with you staying up late on a Saturday night. No difficulty with you ensuring that you go to bed early on a Monday through Friday, you want to make sure you're in bed early so you can work well. But on a Saturday night, the devil has no difficulty with you staying up very, very late and thereby being able or not being able to properly hear the Word of God and understand the Word of God. You know, there are times when I preach, and if you miss an important three or four minutes, you're not going to understand what I've said. In fact, you may misunderstand what I've said. That's your fault, preacher. Well, maybe it is. It's just the way I preach. I accept that responsibility. But you know who you're getting. And this is what you get. And so it's important you come with a readiness to think through what's being said and follow along carefully to understand the word. You've also got to remember that after the amen, there's a tremendous danger in those initial moments for you to speak off and to think through all manner of other things other than the word of the Lord. You've got to be careful. You are engaged in warfare. Preach this far. No, not in this area. Okay, warfare's out there, but, but not in here. Doesn't the enemy love to cause us to drop our guard, that we'd be vulnerable at the most dangerous times, that we'd realize if we lose out now, we're going to lose out big time? So you have remembered the enemy. It's a time of warfare when you follow the preaching of the word of the Lord. But secondly, I'm going to suggest you must resolve to engage in this task. You see, I'm not so sure I'm suggesting something new for all of you here, but it may be a new practice for some of you. Because what ordinarily happens in churches, this is very, very broad and very, very general. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just making a very general assertion here. What generally happens is, that people come to church, they hear a sermon, they instantly make a decision, yes or no, yes it's helpful, no it's not, yes it's true, no it's not. They make that initial assessment and that's it. They're done. The sermon's finished with. What Paul is telling Timothy here 
is in essence to go back over what I've said. You've heard it, but you've got to call it back to your mind to consider carefully what has been said. And so Timothy's listening to this letter. It's being read. He hears it. Perhaps he reads it himself. And he goes through and thinks to himself, I'm a soldier. Yep, I'm a soldier. Yep. I'm a farmer. Yes, I'm a farmer. Yes, I'm going to be a lawful athlete. I'm going to do these things. But what comes next? Paul is saying to Timothy, wait, consider, go back and think it over. And so I'm suggesting to you that you, as part of your Christian living, as part of your regular schedule, should seek to build in time when you go back over what you hear in the preaching of God's Word. Again, please, this is not a power trip as a preacher. Please understand this. That is not my intention here. But you come to church to hear the Word of God. And God, in His providence, has brought you to this church at this point. And each and every Lord's Day you come in God's providence and you're given a gift from God, not from me, but from the Lord, the Word of God expounded in your hearing that you then have something to do with. I'm saying to you, please be careful how you use the gift. And build in some time in your schedule to go back over what is being said. That's going to take some resolve, some determination. When will you do it? Where will you do it? How will you do it? In what way will it be most useful to you? Now, you may say, well, I've been helped by the Word of God up to this point. I've never done that. It's been very useful up to this point. I've never engaged in this particular issue. Well, the Word of God is helpful. Praise God, it's helpful. God used it even in a cursory consideration on the Lord's Day. But I think greater benefit is possible. Greater spiritual vitality is possible. When Christ is preached and exalted, and you then have the time to go back and consider what is said, I think that will lead to a better Christian experience and a better church life and more lasting fruitfulness as the Word of God goes down deeper and becomes more personal. And it will also develop your hunger for the Word of God. That as you think it through and you apply it as we'll come to see and you go through that, you will then get to the point, I just can't wait to know what's going to come next. What's the Lord going to say to me next week and the week to come? How am I going to benefit from the Word of God? I think this is part of God's purpose in our sanctification. Consider what I say. Thirdly, in this issue, you're going to have to recall the content. That's what's being said here. Consider what I say. It's, it's content. It's information. Factual information that must be recalled. How are you going to do that? Well, you may, you may choose to take some notes. You may choose to use a bulletin. Sorry, I don't print mine in fancy paper. You may choose to use a bulletin, so you may. And you may, you may jot down things on the side of the bullet and you'll, you'll store it in your Bible and then you'll go back later on in the week and you'll think to yourself, well, now's my time. I'm going to go back and I'm going to consider what I heard. Something. I wonder, do you remember our motto text for the year? This is not quite the last day of this year, penultimate Lord's Day of this year, but in our motto text, we had the thought of building up yourselves on your most holy faith. And I suggested to you at that time that what is helpful when it comes to the preaching of God's Word is just ensuring you take at least one brick. 
Take one brick to add to the wall of your faith to strengthen you. And so it may well be that as you listen to the word of God, you jot down a few thoughts that are perhaps potential bricks that you could add to the building of your faith. You've got to recall the content. And then fourthly, you've got to respond correctly. This is the key thing. It's not about memorizing. It's not about having a better memory of sermons and you, you know, well, I, I know it was preached in April of this year. I can barely do that. It's not about memory. It's about ensuring you respond correctly. And a proper response is going to take time to consider and properly apply the Word of God. And that response will vary. You may hear a message that calls you to properly respond in joy. Joy is a great response. It is my desire to make you happy as Christians under the preaching of God's word. And as you hear the word of God to make you happy, even today, let's say today you come back and maybe on Tuesday you think about, I'm going to consider what was said. And you go back and you think to yourself, the Bible's a gift. I don't don't deserve this. What a gift from God. What joy that should bring to your soul. That you're not in darkness. You're not ignorant of these things, but you know the very blessing of God. But there are times when you must also come with remorse. A recognition that when you hear the word of God, you have not kept God's law. And then such that will drive you to repent and believe the gospel. Turn back to Psalm 119, please. Just one reference and I'll move on. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I do hope you don't mind me laboring this point. I hope it will be beneficial to you and helpful to you going forward. Again, I wrestled, but I take a whole week in this, but I think hopefully it will be beneficial to some of you at least. But you have there Psalm 119, and here's the Old Testament equivalent of consider. Verse 59 of Psalm 119. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. There's a consideration. The testimonies and the ways, if you like, they're examined together. That's what it's all about here. And the ways of the believer are not just your actions. They're your thoughts and they're your emotions. And you can sin against God in thought and in emotions as much as in actions. And so when you come to hear the word of God, you've got to compare your ways with God's ways. For our ways are often not God's ways. And as we use the word of God, we have this matter of comparison. I think of my ways, but I'm going to make sure my ways are God's ways. And so there is the proper application of the word of God. But all of that takes time to properly consider what is being said. It is, if you like, a spiritual discipline. That language was common of old. It is less common now. This idea of Christians disciplining themselves to properly use the Word of God. So, those are some practical steps. But just to encourage you, and I trust give you some joy, there is thirdly the promise of success in this consideration. The verse closes, verse number 7, And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now, you may read this as a prayer. The Lord give thee, as if he's praying for this regard. But the sense actually is a declaration of confidence. The idea is that the Lord 
will give you understanding in all things. Again, the all things is a very general term, but it has, again, relationship back to what Paul has said. And I think that probably goes back all the way through the beginning of the letter. Consider all that I've said, and the Lord will give thee understanding in all things. First of all, think about the nature of this understanding. I've said to you the word consider refers to the idea of a mental appreciation. But the understanding involved in verse number 7 is something that is more than knowledge. Turn, please, to Colossians chapter 1. I'm not suggesting that what you should do here is uh, go back and memorize a sermon. Rather, what Paul is saying here is, consider what is said, think it through carefully, but as you think it through carefully, the Lord will give you understanding. Colossians chapter 1, this is a prayer. Verse number 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will. Okay, the will here referring to God's revealed will, the Scriptures, He's praying that they would know the will of God. That's a mental, under, that's a mental, uh, a mental grasp of what is being said in the Word of God. But look what he says then. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the prayer is not only that they would know the word of God, but they'd also know how to apply it, wisdom, and they'd also have understanding of it in this spiritual sense. If you like, it is, it is the ability to put the word of God together. To bring the word to God together in a sense that you understand who God is, what sin is, what righteousness is. You understand these things, and you then know what to do in your life, putting these things to practice in your thoughts, in your emotions, and in your actions. Now, if that is the nature of understanding, our text in 2 Timothy, again, implies the necessity of the Spirit's work. The Lord give the understanding in all things. If verse number 7 ended with the semicolon after say, consider what I say, I think we'd have cause to be discouraged. You know, many young people, they have some desire to study the Word of God in their teenage lives. They want to grasp the Word of God, and they, they get to the point, they say, I, I don't understand it. And some give up. It's too hard. I can't grasp these great doctrines of the Word of God's. Well, here you have a hope and a comfort. The necessity of the Spirit's work reminds us the Lord will give understanding in these things. The necessity, of course, is taught back in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Again, a very uh, familiar portion to all of you. 1, Timothy, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In the verse number 9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So naturally, we don't properly understand the gospel, but by the Spirit of God, God has revealed him unto us. And therefore, verse number 14 in the same chapter, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. But the Lord will give us understanding by his Spirit. Our confession of faith says this, chapter 1, paragraph 6, The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life, 
is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture. The whole counsel of God, it's here. Everything you need, it's here. But the very same paragraph says this, Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word. Why do our loved ones and our neighbors not believe the Word of God? Because they do not understand the Word of God. The Spirit of God must give such understanding. But the need for God's work comes as the encouragement. I want you to think through some logic here very, very briefly. If the Word of God is necessary for salvation and sanctification, and God is committed to save and to sanctify, then God will give understanding to His people. Do you follow logic there? The Bible tells us itself, the Word of God is necessary for salvation and sanctification. There's no other place where the will of God is revealed to you. You see the glory of God in creation, we sang Psalm 19, but you see the will of God revealed in the Word of God. You see Christ in the Word of God. The Word of God is necessary for salvation and sanctification. The second premise is that God is committed to save and sanctify, isn't he? God's not going to leave any of his elect lost in this world. He will save and sanctify all. Therefore, if the Word is necessary and he's determined to save, then he will give the understanding. Our confession again says this. All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or other that not only the learned but the unlearned, in a due use of the ordinary means, may attain unto sufficient understanding of them. The confession says the Bible is not alike clear in all its parts. Well, the confession is not alike clear in all its parts either. But you have there the sense that even those who are unlearned, in the sense they are not doctors of theology, they're not versed in all Greek and Hebrew, they're not versed in every part of scriptural truth. But you know what? The Bible is clear for them that if they use the ordinary means in the help of the Spirit of God, they will know what they need to know to be saved and to be sanctified in this world. The Bible's enough, and it's clear enough. And the Lord's Spirit ensures that we understand the Word. I love the words of 1 John chapter 2, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. In response to the early Gnostic thought that you need some higher knowledge, some higher revelation, John tells the believers, ye have the Spirit of God, and that's enough. The Spirit of God enabling us to understand the word of the Lord. So, young person, studying the Bible is not like studying math or chemistry or something like that. The Lord gives certain people particular help in those areas. There are some people that math is just not their thing. There's not a single believer who can say the Bible's not their thing. The Spirit of God working in the heart of every person 
who knows the Lord, enables them to use the Word of God properly and understand the Scriptures. Will there be varying degrees of understanding? Yes. There's varying degrees of maturity. There are those who are milk and those who are meat. But the point is, the Bible is sufficient and clear to teach us the way of truth in Christ. And the Spirit of God ensures that we understand the Word of the Lord. So it's a, it's a very personal text from Paul to Timothy. But it comes with a responsibility. Consider what I say. That's your duty. And it comes with a promise of God's help. The Lord shall give the understanding in all things. You see, this is a revelation, I believe, of the will of God, God in heaven, who desires that people hear the word of God, understand the word of God, and believe the word of God. He will enable sinners to find Christ. And he's enabled many of us to come to a point where the word of God lives and is active and is precious to our souls. This is a wonderful gift. The Bible and the preaching of God's word. Don't throw it away. Don't despise it. Don't put it in a cupboard and never use it again. Let's all bow together, please, in a word of prayer. Eternal God and Father, we do thank you, O Lord, for your kindness to mankind in giving them such a gift. That we have the word of God that shows us our sin and shows us Christ Jesus. And we do pray, O Lord, that if there are some and they are struggling to understand and properly apply the word of God, do you, we pray, O God, you'd give them help to consider, consider the word of God. Help us all to grow in our understanding of these things. And as we would study it, may our love for Christ, may our love for thee grow, and may our joy in the Lord may it intensify day by day. Bless, O Lord, our time of outreach here this afternoon and the nursing home ministry that follows. O Lord, may we know your presence and the help of your Spirit. May Christ indeed be glorified in us and through us. We pray in his precious name. Amen.